Well, the title of the message tonight is Worship as it is in heaven. You know, when we think about heaven, it's a glorious place, right? Words cannot really express what heaven will be like. But there is something in us that wants to worship. But here's the problem. We replace it with people. We replace it with things. But it is meant for God. In the garden, Adam and Eve were in the midst of God's Almighty, God Almighty's presence. And their awe was fixated upon God. And then Satan crept in and changed the, took that awe factor and put it on themselves by saying, you will be like God. And that's why God doesn't want you to have what he told you you cannot have. And they stepped over into self. Think about that. They were getting the attention off of God. They were in the midst of God Almighty, and they brought the attention to themselves. The danger now lurks in the heart of every person on planet Earth, the preoccupation with self. And it affects society in so many different levels. It's the godlike recognition that people desire, power, selfish ambition. And we see this all the time in society. The reason I say this because there is a natural desire to worship. God put it on the inside of us. We read about celebrities or moguls or sports stars, politicians, and people follow them and hang on their every word. We, we see when they walk into a room, people will, will clamor and pass out and cry. That is worship. Now listen, these people accomplish a lot, but nothing near the fact of worshipful. The point is because we have a desire to worship. Everyone is attracted to glory. On this earth is fallen glory. We haven't seen anything yet. We're designed to give God glory. That's what he created us for, to enjoy him. In a sense, John says, do not love the world or the things in the world. And th what this means is don't give the love that you have for God to the things of this world. Romans 11.36 says, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. I like that. All things exist by his power. That gravity exists by his power. The air that you and I breathe are for his glory because we can suck in the air and breathe out praises. We can walk this earth for God's glory and glorify him. All things are for God and exist in him and by him. Now, I've told you this before, but I want to revisit it. There are two things for glory mentioned with God. There's intrinsic glory. This is the glory that God is. We cannot add or take away from, from God's glory. God is glorious. And when we start, start to see that, we give him, when we enter into worship, ascribed glory. In other words, we're giving God the glory that he deserves, right? We're not entering in and just singing some ho-hum songs. We're entering into a worship service. And the more we do, the more we understand of him, the more we want to be with God. A.W. Tozier said, the most important thing about your life is what comes into your mind when you think of God. And it's a high view of God that leads to high worship and holy living. Another has said, everything in our life flows from the knowledge of God. Even the knowledge of self flows from the knowledge of God. 
In other words, when we tap into what the devil says about us, guess what we do? We, we go into the muck and the mire. But when we tap into what God says about us, right, we can, we can pick ourselves up off of the mat, so to speak, and understand that God's glory is his glory, and God loves us. And you don't have to come in here with a bobbin, but you can come in here knowing that God loves you. Many times we get our attention focused back on us because we're going through a situation or a mistake or even a person, and it hinders us from seeing the Lord high and lifted up. So I want to look at some truths tonight of how God receives worship and what's going on in heaven when we worship. See, when we lift our hands, it's symbolic of touching the throne of grace. And to be wowed by our spirit is where we are most satisfied in God. God created an awesome world with awesome people. He gave us senses to see and to hear, right, and enjoy his creation. He created an awesome world. But when we get our eyes focused on the things around us, we can get into all kind of trouble. God intended us to worship him, not creation. And if it's materialism, you will spend all of your time gathering every trinket and toy. If you're chasing a feeling, you will always be striving to grab that feeling and, and, and do everything in your power to keep it. We are supposed to be wowed by our creator, and that's what God intended. You need to know that, once again, God loves you, and he's not just tolerating you. I think that's why we can't reach the third heaven in worship, because we can't get past the things that, that the devil blinds us with. Pastor Larry spoke about this tremendously Sunday on the love of God. So look at the scene in heaven. Let's transfer our attention beyond this roof, beyond the clouds, beyond space, and into the third heaven. And this will help you if you're being crushed by temptation and sin or any trial. I love preaching big God messages. Amen? Let's look at Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. It says, after these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was standing in heaven and one seating on the throne. And it is he who was sitting like a jasper stone and a sardis in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their head. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne was something like a sea of glass, like crystal, and in the center and around the throne four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion and the second like a calf. And the third creature had the face like a man and the fourth was like a flying eagle. And four living creatures, each one of them having six wings and full of eyes around and within and day and night, they do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, 
and the 24 elders will fall down before him and sits on the throne, him who sits on the throne, and will worship him who lives forever and ever, and they will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things because your will they existed and are created. I want to break this down and give you some nuggets. And the, the clock's a little fast tonight, so... Uh, Number one, enter the door that has been provided in Christ. Look at this. After these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. So this is after Christ shows himself to John and the me in the seven churches, the seven letters to the seven churches. Now listen, when you and I worship, there must be an after these things moment, right? Leave the junk outside. When you pull up in the parking lot and you've been arguing with your kids or your wife, you need to step into the worship service and have to have an after these things moment with God. Amen? This is the most beneficial thing that you can do. You enter in and you say, you know what? This is plaguing me. This is bothering me, but I'm going to lay it down and keep my attention focused on Christ. John was on the island of Patmos. He was locked away as a political prisoner. Obviously, his situation was not ideal and our circumstances may not be ideal. But any moment when we walk in, we can have an after these things suddenly moment with God. God graces them with a visit. Remember Saul, he was a church terrorist, and God changed him into one of the most powerful men in all of church history. Remember Paul and Silas, they're having a worship session, and instantly God invades that space. And when John is sleeping on a rock in prison, God, Jesus himself says, come up here. He summoned him. In other words, it was an imperative command. John could not have stayed behind if he wanted to. And he summoned him up and said, I want to speak with you. Think about this. The, the, the voice that he heard, the, the, he laid his head on Jesus's bosom. He heard that voice. The one many years before would would hear as the winds and the waves were bashing the boat, he would hear his master say, hush, be still. And the winds and waves are still speaking today, and many of us have our eyes and ears on that. But the Lord is still speaking to you. Don't fear the doctor's results. Don't fear the job change. Don't fear your financial future. Don't fear the future because Jesus is already in your future. Listen, there is no fear that you will enter, that you will come against that can buckle the knees of Jesus. Even on this island, there was a worship service going on in heaven. Circumstances may have shattered your dreams. At any moment, you can escape what you're looking at and you could enter into a worship service with God Almighty. Jesus says you have access to God through his blood. The door has been opened to you. And it's the only door that gives access to God. Listen, good works is not a door. Morality is not a door. Any other God is not a door. 
Come on, we, 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 we don't understand that sometimes. We think everybody's just going to heaven. Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else. Whatever God you, you, you think, that's a no one else. But there is no other name given under heaven that has been given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus says, I am the door in John 10 verse 9. Jesus said that we worship in spirit and in truth. The truth is Christ, who is the door, and it is the only worship that God accepts. People don't have their own thing going on with God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's to know God. This part of our vision here at Family Life. Number two, worship that sinners on God exalting. Revelation 4, 2, immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was standing in heaven and the one seated on the throne. Now notice how you feel when you sing, I exalt thee. You know what's happening when you do that? You're, you're blessing Jesus. And the Bible says, if I, if I be exalted, I will draw all men to me. So when you worship Jesus, that is him drawing you into himself. That's what that feeling is. John enters a worship service that is already happening, which tells us that we at any moment can enter into a worship service with Jesus. Now, what catches John's attention is not angels, not the streets of gold, not family, but a throne, which shows us its complete dominance. This shows supremeness, rulership, and anything that bothers us is a reminder that he rules over it. This throne is beyond the world, is beyond the clouds, beyond the universe, and that's telling us that he rules above it all. There is no rogue molecule out here doing what it wants to do. It's all under the subjection of God Almighty. He is beyond all dimensions. He is beyond time and space. John goes from a makeshift cell where Rome is ruling his life, and immediately the truth of his circumstances is, you know what? God is ruling over Rome. God is ruling over my circumstance. And notice it's not hidden in some luxurious building. It's seated where everybody on the face of the earth will be able to see. John instantly realizes that Rome is not in charge. Come on, you need to see this tonight. No matter your political party affiliation, what's going on in the world, all of that is subject to God Almighty. God is in charge of everything that is going on in this world. And everything is going according to plan. Some of you need to understand that and know that and rest your head at night and not be worrying about what you see going on, but realize that these are the signs that Jesus said, I'm coming in the midst of this situation. The text says that it's a, it's a throne in, that is in heaven, standing in heaven. You see, John went back to being a prisoner, but his perspective changed once he got to see God. Some of our circumstances may not change, but some of us need a heavenly perspective. This throne is fixed, immovable, triumphant, in complete control. No missile can reach that throne. 
Caesar could not touch that throne in John's day, and no president or prime minister can do it today. Kingdoms and their leaders come and go as God escorts them through the pages of history. And then they become like grass that is blown out into the street on a hot summer day. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Nothing is going to change the word of God. It can't be voted on. New laws cannot come and change the word of God. The king in his word reigns forever. Everything is viewed about being around the throne. Then it says the one on the throne. This does not even need an introduction or an explanation. This throne is seated. There's no succession plan. There's no term limits. The throne is always occupied. He is omniscient. God never has to get off of the throne to go gather some facts to make a decision. He knows it all. He's above it all. He simply is seated and he wills things to happen and they must happen. I'm trying to encourage you tonight. Shannon would call this a fussing message, but it's not. I'm just excited when I think about the Lord of glory. Notice the following verses. He sees everything in and around the throne. Imagine what John is experiencing as he is standing in heaven and every hair on his head and his body is standing at raw attention, like static electricity in the presence of the one who created him. Revelation 4.3, and it is he who is sitting like a jasper stone and a sardis in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. This thought is he's seated because it's already been accomplished. But in the context of this book, he is seated and he is about to judge. Because you read the rest of the book of Revelation and I tell you, that's what you see. And this rainbow speaks of a covenant and it's put in the sky to, to show Noah and the rest of us that he'll never flood the earth again. And number three, a reverence and gratefulness is in worship. Revelation 4.4, around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their head. Do you think you have a lot to be grateful for tonight? Listen, if you are born again, you literally have everything. There is nothing that you do not have. John moves to the throne, to what's around the throne. See, we don't worship because what's happening around us. We don't look at our circumstances happening around us. We worship because he is involved in our circumstance. The 24 elders are justified, just like you and I are justified in worship. They're, they're represented as delegated authority. We have authority in this earth. And it represents the saints from the Old and New Testaments. They're clothed in, clothed in white, which is purity, right? It's purity. And they have crowns on their head, meaning when we get to heaven and we get judged and, and we, we're going to take our crowns and throw them back at the feet of Jesus because he justified us and sanctified us and he has given us everything that we would do with our purpose and we'll take everything and throw it back at his feet and say, Lord, you alone deserve the glory because you empowered me to be able to do this. That's what the crowns on the head is a picture of sanctification. 
The elders are around the throne and they're falling down in front of the throne in verse 10. You need to know this. They're not barely saints. They're not barely saved. They are the righteousness of God in Christ. But here's what I want you to know tonight. You are not barely saved either. You're not barely tolerated. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You need to know that. You need to preach that to yourself. Don't let your conscience try to drag you through the mud. If you have, if you have given your life to, to Christ, you are justified. And when you stand before God, God will say, welcome in my son or daughter because of Christ. Amen. And you are also seated in heavenly places. So when you worship God, don't worship him from the trash pile of temporary circumstances. Worship him because we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. I always keep in mind that God did not have to save me. People have this thought as though people go to hell because they don't deserve to be there. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone that goes to hell deserves to be there, and everyone that goes to heaven deserves to be in hell, but for the grace of God. That's what separates us from a non-believer, is that we have received the grace of God that he has given for all to receive. We always need to be mindful of that, that we have all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. The question is not, how could God allow people to go to hell? They have to step over Jesus to get there. The question is, why did God choose to save us? That's the proper question. I don't deserve the grace of God, and neither do you. And I, do you. But the grace of God is available to us. So that's what makes me want to lift up Jesus. That's what, no matter how bad it is out there, no matter what I'm going through, I can always turn my face to the king. He came as a, as a lamb slain from the foundation of the world, but he is coming back as a conquering king that will make, make mincemeat of this war that is going on. Imagine this. We always say, come Lord Jesus. We say, be seated on our praise. We say, welcome Holy Spirit. But it's like we expect a three-piece suit Jesus to come and just have a seat quietly and not interrupt the service. You realize if Jesus himself showed up in this room tonight, what it would be like? The doors would fly open. Light would come in and, and penetrate every single crevice. And this place would shake like 10,000 earthquakes and we would fall on our face as John fell on his face in front of his best friend. And he would walk down the aisle and our spirit would be pulled to him with love and with glory. We would be mesmerized like static electricity. As he would speak, it would be thunder and a rushing mighty wind and water would drown out every bit of insecure and fear, fearful thought. His hair would be white like wool. He would walk the aisle like bronze, and it would be sizzling everywhere that he walks. His face would shine brighter than 10,000 suns. And all you and I would do is fall at his feet and worship. That's a picture of what I see in Revelation. There would be no place you would rather be 
Fear and worry would flee from you and peace would invade your space. Robert Murray McShane said, if I could hear Jesus praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. See, we who are saved have this living one living on the inside of us. But if Jesus were to walk in a room full of unredeemed, it would be terrifying. Sometimes it just takes a perspective. How could you not worship a God like this? See, when we enter into a worship service, we're leaving the devil and his minions behind. And we are entering in to the king of glory where we desire to live a peaceful, happy, holy life. The knowledge applied gives us the strength to live in freedom, which is the second part of our vision. Proverbs 9.10, the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the beginning. The chief and choice part of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight and understanding. The Bible says, worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Have you ever been so excited that you tremble? I have. Having this understanding makes you understand Christ. It makes everything shrink back and get into proper place as we see him high and lifted up. And understanding this will arrest your soul and grip your heart. I want to encourage you to have a higher view of God. Amen? Number four, worship as lifestyle and of service. Revelation 4, 5 through 8. Out of the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds of peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass like crystal, and in the center around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in the front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, the second like a calf, and the third creature had a face of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle, and the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings and full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Listen, thunder and lightning let you know that a storm is coming. Don't you know when you see, this is what you see. If you were to peel back the sky, you would see a rainbow around God. You would see, you would see these beautiful colors. But at the great white throne judgment, there is no rainbow because there's no more covenant. It's just people standing that rejected Christ. This is telling us that God is merciful. He is screaming it in the heavens, and he is allowing it to see. So when you see a rainbow, that is what it is telling you, that God is merciful, and he desires that no one should perish. The seven lamps represent the seven per, the perfection of the Holy Spirit, and this is seen in Isaiah 11. Do you need another reason to worship? Look at what the Holy Spirit does. Number one, the Spirit of the Lord, which is freedom. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You have constant access to freedom. Do you need the Spirit of wisdom? This is order and wisdom to make decisions. Ask the Holy Spirit to put your life in order. Listen, order precedes multiplication. Number three, the Spirit of understanding. This is clarity to understand the will of God for your life. We have access to these, these attributes every single day. Counsel to make accurate short and long-term decisions. 
How many of us know we need counsel to raise our kids? Then the spirit of might or strength. There's a story of Lester Summerall, who there were three bankers in Hong Kong that wanted to pull his loan. And he had made every payment. He was never late. And so he just walked in to this bank. And there were three men that were sitting there. And they said, we're going to pull your loan. And he said, by the spirit of might, if you pull this loan, God will strike you dead. They pulled the loan, and all three of them died within that year. That's the spirit of might. Now, don't do that. But you need the spirit of might to get the devil out of your family. You need the spirit of light. I'm sorry, the spirit of might to push the devil out of your own life. Number six, the spirit of knowledge. This is the revelation and the ability to manage areas that you have no training in. And number seven, the fear of the Lord, which is integrity, wholeness, purity, the ability to manage money, right? And the ability to to be fearful in your marriage, to have a, a fearful posture, not being scared, but a reverence. See, people are going to church one out of four times because there's a lack of reverence for God. But the Holy Spirit is here to help us live and reflect Jesus. And listen, the lamp of fire is not some little bath and body works candle that sheds romantic light. This is a blazing torch. <laughs> That is being shown to John. And we need these attributes every day of our lives. The sea of glass below it. John sees this at the base of the throne. Moses and Aaron and the elders saw this in Exodus 24. It was a, appeared to be a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself. Think about that. Heaven is a dazzling, brilliant place of light that is just coming in and refracting everything from the glory of God. So we enter through the door, which is Christ, right? We see the Spirit of God indwelled in perfect power, and we see the life application of our service and worship. We see the cherubim surrounding the throne, and their function is symbolic because I can assure you God needs no protection, right? They're full of eyes, it says. This is a constant reminder that everything that we do, we should keep the sight of the glory of God. We should also be alert that, the sa- that Satan is seeking to devour you. And we use these eyes to watch for the Lord's return. Amen? We must remember that even in the midst where you see God, he is still separate and holy. And that tells us when we look at the, the creatures that are around the throne, what do those represent? Well, the lion is, is strong in service to God, bold and courageous. That's what you and I need to be, bold and courageous in our faith for God. The ox is sacrificial and in constant service. That tells us we need to persevere in our worship, in our service. And then the face of man. This is intellectualism. We need to use the the God-given brain that we have to serve God, to, to use the mind that God gave you to know him better. 
This is knowing God. And what it does is it infuriates your spirit in a good way. And it drives your will to want to serve him. And then the eagle to quickly carry out the works of God. Listen, we are not promised tomorrow. Be obedient today. That means that God wants us to find our purpose, right? He's giving us something to do. You're not saved just to sit. You're saved to serve, amen? And enjoy him forever. Now, then, look at these wings. <clears throat> these wings cover their face. What does that tell us? We don't understand it all. We worship even if we cannot see it. We cannot see what's going on. We worship without fully understanding. Then the ones that are here, that would cause them to be able to fly. That tells us that they're quick to obey, ready to do the Lord's will. That's how you and I should be. Whatever the Lord tells us to do, go and go and do it quickly. And then two wings to cover their feet. This te teaches us to walk humbly for, before the Lord. Number five, constant worship in every season of life. Revelation 4, 8, day and night, they do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Isaiah sees the same picture in the, in the book of uh, Isaiah, the sixth chapter. So we see this in the Old Testament and the New Testament, which tells us this is an ongoing display. This attribute of holy, holy, holy is always being said. That's amazing. He didn't say love or grace or majesty. It's holiness. And it's said with an emphatic tone. Then it says, almighty means all might. Every might that is given is given by God or taken away by God. Who was and who is to come. This is a reminder that the Lord is going to return. Listen, there is never a season in our life where we should withhold worship from God. Not in the tough, seemingly dry seasons. He is still worthy. In fact, that's where you park in worship with all your might. Amen? And number six, solely focused on him without distraction. Look what it says, Revelation 4, 9 through 11. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks, look to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders will fall down before him who sits at the throne and will worship him who lives forever. And will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord God, to receive glory, honor, and power, for you created all things, and because your will they existed. You see how everything's about God. It's not about us. It's not about our creature comforts. That's right. And so when we're in worship, we're not fixated on everything around us. We should be locked in to the throne of grace. This is a natural response when you see Christ walking in this room like we described earlier. The elders fall down and their crowns, they cast them at his feet. Their crowns are given because these are the things that they're called to make a difference with. Amen. Come on. God has given you talents. God has given you places to serve. He, not, not just at church, but in this world. And when God is going to judge us based on those things, it's going to be what he's called you to do. You can say, well, I did this and I did that. He's going to say, that's all fine and dandy. But I called you to do this. 
So the question is, what has God called you to do? And listen, it doesn't matter if people see. All that matters is the all-seeing eye of God sees it. Remember, we will cast our crowns before him because he called us to know him. He gave us the ability to live free. He assigned us a purpose, and he is expecting us to go out and make a difference. Incidentally, that is our, our vision here. So are you carrying out the vision that God has given you? Here's a quick plug. Wild Games coming up. And it is one of the most powerful outreaches that we do here at Family Life. And you have the ability to be part of that life change that will be credited to your account when you get to heaven. Whether it's cooking, parking, serving, tearing, tearing down, setting up, no matter what it is, it is all designed for a purpose. It's, it's a design to get men off of the streets, out of their homes, into the presence of God, where self will dissipate in the presence of Almighty God. And we will use every bit of vermin. <laughs> Are we doing vermin? Is vermin animals? We will use everything at our disposal to use, to bring men to the kingdom of God. That is what it is about. And one day, we will go to heaven, and that will be part of the role that, that we will play, and God will judge us, and he'll say, enter in thy good and faithful servant. I'm not just telling you this. This is, this is factual. Or we will be rewarded at the trump of God. And we will see this scene played out in front of us, and we will enter in and be part of it. Listen, our loved ones that are in heaven right now, how many of you have loved ones in heaven? Hopefully everybody. They are around the throne, worshiping, and, and seeing what I'm trying to tell you about. And I promise you, they would want you with them. The Bible says, behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You come today. You come tonight. Tomorrow is the devil's day. We are not promised tomorrow. So I want to encourage you tonight. If you do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, this is the best time for you to come to know him. Proverbs 27.1 says, do not boast about tomorrow. For you do not know what a day may bring forth. Do you know Christ? I want to ask you specifically. I'm not saying, do you come to church? Did you have a religious experience? Have you come to know Christ Almighty? Has he given you the gift of pardon? Have you transferred your sin onto the cross and received the righteousness of God in Christ applied to your life? And listen. You know if you have, because your life now looks different than when it did before. It's not about praying a prayer. It's about changing your direction. Repentance is not just repenting of sin. It's repenting in your mind of who God is. Do you have a new relationship with the sin that you once drank down like water? That's the question that I pose to you tonight.
And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want to embarrass anybody. If you could say, I don't know Christ in that way, I just want you to simply lift your hand. And I know it's Wednesday night, and and most born-again believers, I see your hand, most born-again believers come, but we have one that wants to receive Christ. So I just want us, with every head bowed and every eye closed, to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I repent and ask you to wash me clean. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I believe that you died and rose again. I put my faith in what you accomplished for me at the cross and I believe that you rose from the dead on the third day I am born again I am a child of God amen come on give him a round of applause praise God now let me ask you a question before we go what aspect do you struggle with worship well I assume that you've entered the door of Christ do do when you worship are you God exalting are you thinking of other things I want to encourage you to when you enter into a worship service whether it's in your car at your house lay all those things beside you lay all those things down give God your ultimate attention and I believe God will do more work during that time than you can muster up amen Is there a reverence and gratefulness in worship? Are you grateful that you are not going to a fiery hell when you die? Come on, that's reason enough to always be grateful. And are you serving? Are you serving Christ? Are you serving the Lord? And then do you have a constant, are you constantly worshiping in every season of life? Or do you pout? You know, I used to pout. So I can say that. Do you pout? Come on, during those moments, tap into the grace and love of God and worship even though you don't understand, you don't see anything changing. God is still worthy and God can do more with that postured heart than a pouty kid sitting in a corner. Don't you just love when your kids pout and sit in a corner? And number six, are you solely focused on on Christ. I want to encourage you to do that. Amen. Come on, let me pray a blessing over you. Father, I come in the name of your son, Jesus. Father, I pray that this word has penetrated the heart and soul of your people. And Father, that they see you differently tonight than they saw you when they walked in. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you that I believe that it has changed the lives of your people. Father, we honor you with this time and we thank you for the life application that we will apply. In Jesus' name, I pray. And the church said, amen, amen. Praise God. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. You can stand up, and if you need prayer, we'll be up here ready to pray for you. God bless you. Good night.